Good morning. Today's Bible verse is John 1, verses 43 to 51. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, He truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Thank you, Jane. So that reading's in your leaflet if you didn't find it. Keep it in front of you. Now, maybe it's just me, but have you ever suffered from imposter syndrome? So this is the idea that any moment now, someone's going to discover that you really don't know what you're on about and that you're just winging it. Like everybody else is totally competent, got it all together. And if they could see what was inside your head, they'd be absolutely appalled. Maybe it's just me. Or putting it more positive, maybe in your work life or amongst friends, there's a person who, in your mind, just does it so well. If only you could just be like them, it would be great. They're the real deal. They're the movers and shakers, the real stars of the show. And I felt like that at school, at times, at uni, working as a radiographer, even now as a pastor. And I felt it socially amongst friends. And we can feel that way about ourselves as Christians as well, I reckon, sometimes. You know, this idea, there are proper Christians, the really good ones, really spiritual ones, and then there's me. You know, they're up to date with their Bible in one year reading. They're not still stuck in July 2022. They pray proper prayers that seem to get answered. They have a strategic vision and they've got a plan. And they stick to the plan. They always seem godly and mature. And then we think, there's me. Struggling along, easily distracted, doubting, sinful, discouraged sometimes. We have got a strategic plan. It's to wing it from day to day. We love God and love his word, but we find it hard to concentrate sometimes. It's hard to understand sometimes. We think, end up thinking... The real action, the real exciting growth is in those other Christians, those other churches. And ordinary schmucks like me, well, I'm just making up the numbers. 
And I've heard like patterns of thought like that described as a song that you sing yourself. So I wonder, is that one of the songs that you sing to yourself? Well, I want to tell you this morning that that song is a load of rubbish. And you don't need to let it hold you back from growing in your love of Jesus and his people, from growing as a Christian. Because Jesus reckons that you are where the action is at. Meeting this doubtful disciple, Nathaniel, this morning and the conversation Jesus has with him and the promises Jesus makes him helps us to see that the real action, the real growth, the real excitement is with ordinary doubters like you and me and Nathaniel trusting in Jesus. So I'm going to take those in reverse order. There's an outline in your leaflets. We're going to look at what Jesus promises Nathaniel and then, well, John could have just written down what Jesus says in verse 51, couldn't he? But actually, God's had included for us this interaction with Nathaniel. So we'll look into, delve into that and see what it shows us. And then we'll have to think about what it means for us. So just to get us up to speed where we're up to in John's gospel, um, John the gospel writer is open with this mind-blowing claim that Jesus is God on earth, come to deal with what keeps us from God. And then John the Baptist has prepared the way for Jesus, telling us key things, that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is God's Spirit-filled Son. Jesus will fill us with God's Holy Spirit. And that Jesus is God's chosen one. So as we meet Nathaniel, he's actually the fifth uh, eyewitness disciple that we meet in this section. So we'll come back to that later and introduce it to the others. But for now, let's jump forward to the end of the passage. And this is actually the end of sort of John, the gospel writer's introduction section. And Jesus ends it with a, a big bombshell. So let's have a look at what Jesus promises him, our first section. Uh, verse 51. Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So let's take Son of Man first. Some people like to keep Jesus in a nice, safe, quarantined box, don't you? Like, he was a nice man. He was a, a guru. He was a, a good teacher. And he has been called rabbi or teacher in the gospel, this gospel so far. But he's also been called Lamb of God, Messiah or Christ, God's chosen one, Son of God and King of Israel. All huge claims which at the time you could get stoned, for, stoned to death for blasphemy for making those claims. And Jesus doesn't correct them. He doesn't say, oh, no, 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 you got me all wrong. I'm just, I'm just a nice guy. I'm all about um, uh, social action. Just a nice teacher. No, he doesn't correct them. In fact, Jesus raises the ante by calling himself son of man. This is what Jesus most commonly calls himself in the Gospels and is in itself a big claim. Because in it, Jesus is claiming to be the one from Daniel's vision. So we find that in the Old Testament, written about 600 years before Jesus. And in that vision, Daniel sees, this is from Daniel 7, one like a son of man, so it looks like a human, one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven, uh, to whom God gives authority, glory, and sovereign power. All things that only belong to God. All nations and people of every language worshipped him. Something that should only happen to God. 
So Jesus, in calling himself Son of Man, is claiming to be this figure who is human, yet God. So what about this? I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Well, Jesus is riffing on another vision, that of Jacob in Genesis 28. Now, if you were with us in September 2022, in our, we looked at this when we in Genesis. Uh, you can look that up on our website or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. September 2022, Jacob meets God, I think it was called. Anyway, but to get our heads around what Jesus is saying, let's have a look at that vision. So Genesis 28, uh, 12 to 15, well, 12 to 13, 12 and 13 first. Jacob had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Sounds familiar. There above it stood the Lord, or it could be he was standing next to Jacob. Either way, God's in charge. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. Now, how do you picture that? I, because I love this old film, this David Niven movie, Stairway to Heaven, this is how... I used to picture it. Some of you will have a Jimmy Page guitar solo going off in your head already. But it's likely much more spectacular than that. And what's the context of Jacob having this dream is, at this stage in his life, Jacob hasn't been trusting in God's promises of blessing. And he's just conned his own dad to grasp it for himself. So the big question is, will God's promises of blessing to Abraham apply to Jacob? In this dream, I don't think we're supposed to read too much into the angels going up and down. The gist of it is, God is reaching down to earth with the promise of heaven. It's heaven reaching down to earth, and the blessings of heaven becoming accessible from earth. So I've got another slide. Let's compare the two verses then. If you have a look, you can see them on the screen. I won't read them again. Where is Jesus in this vision now? Well, he's taken the place of the stairway. In other words, the joining of heaven and earth is now on and through Jesus. All the life and joy and blessing and pure goodness of heaven, all that being back to what we were made for, being at peace with God, enjoying him, heaven, is available through Jesus. Jesus is saying that he is the way to heaven. Jesus is saying that he brings God's presence to earth. That he bridges the gap between God and us. And if you carry on through John's gospel, time and again Jesus shows us how, he's, how it is he's going to be that bridge between God and us. So if I asked you to draw this on your leaflet, if you've got a pen you could do it. If you put heaven at the top of the page and earth at the bottom and I ask you to draw verse 51. How would you draw what Jesus says here? And I reckon a lot of us would draw Jesus' cross, bridging that gap. And you get trendy emerging church pastors who mock that and say it's all a bit old-fashioned Sunday school. But actually it's true, isn't it? On the cross, Jesus paid our debt so that we can be forgiven, given new life and given the access to heaven. We don't deserve access. We can't get there on our own. 
But Jesus bridges the gap. It really is that simple. For Jacob, in his dream, God explained that it meant all the blessings promised Abraham were passed on to him. He says, I will, uh, verse 13, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. 14, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Verse 15, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. Those are the blessings for Jacob. For us now, we're part of all those all peoples on earth, and Jesus is the offspring through whom we receive all the blessings of heaven. New eternal life, peace with God. Now, we're still bound up um, in sin and its consequences here on earth until Jesus returns. But there is a truth in that as soon as we return trust in Jesus, heaven starts breaking in. In our lives, so it's a very slippery staircase in that way. We have access through the person Jesus. And we know Jesus as we meet him in his word, by hearing and reading him from the Bible. And as we do, God, Holy Spirit at work in us to show us Jesus, to bring him to live in us by his spirit. And we're physical, relational beings. God knows that. So God gives us each other, the church, Christ's body, other Christians gathered together to help us know Jesus and grow in Jesus. This is not a solo sport. So to summarize that bit, Jesus is making this huge claim to Nathaniel. He's saying, you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm the one who can bring you to heaven. So let's have a look at this doubtful disciple, Nathaniel. So as I said, Nathaniel's actually the fifth eyewitness disciple that Jesus meets in this section. So let's get you up to speed. Back in verse 35, the next day, John the Baptist was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. So notice that there's no gap in the eyewitness account. Back in the day, I worked as a radiographer, taking x-rays, and occasionally we did forensic work, which could potentially involve murder cases. And it was drilled into us that I must always be able to account for the location and the security of the x-ray films that I'd produced, so that there was no gap in the evidence trail, and so that um, they, we knew they weren't tampered with and they became inadmissible as evidence. Well, here in the John's Gospel, there's no gap in the eyewitness evidence trail with Jesus. These disciples were there from the very beginning, from the get-go. So we've got Andrew and an unnamed one, who's probably, almost certainly John, the Gospel writer, just being a bit humble. They follow Jesus. They understand that he's the one John the Baptist has been going on about. Now, Andrew's brother is Simon Peter, you know, famous Peter from the Gospels, the Apostle Peter. And after just a day with Jesus, Andrew is so convinced about him. Verse 41, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. So then in today's passage on your leaflets, uh, Jesus himself calls Philip. uh, He's from the same town as Andrew and Peter. 
Philip is convinced as well, and verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So who is this Nathanael? Well, we have to say up front, we don't know an awful lot about Nathanael. In fact, this passage is about here. He's also with the resurrected Jesus in John 21, where we're told he's from Cana. Um, lots of people think he's the Apostle Bartholomew. You hear about in Matthew's Gospel, one of the twelve. And that Nathaniel's his nickname. Look, we just don't know for sure, and it doesn't really matter. But I think Nathaniel really helps us here. Because a cynic looking at this might say, well, Andrew and Philip, they were with John the Baptist. So they're obviously religious types, caught up in the moment, or just desperate to believe that a Messiah has arrived, and they've latched onto this latest candidate. So you could argue that they were predisposed to accept Jesus. But Nathaniel is predisposed to rejecting Jesus. Because here's Nathaniel's inspirational, deeply spiritual, proper Christian response. Verse 46, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. So everyone's got their place that they make jokes about. I think around here it's probably Elizabeth, isn't it? In Elizabeth, they probably make jokes about Morphet Vale. In Manchester, where I'm from, the jokes are about people from Liverpool, Scousers. So what do you call a Scouser wearing a suit? The accused. What do you say to a Scouser with a job? Big Mac and large fries, please. In Jesus' day, the jokes were about people from Nazareth. And that's because it was a far northern town, and being near the border and near trade routes, it was full of different racial and religious groups. And an important part of Jewish life was ritual and religious purity, being separated. And that mixing with non-Jews really risked all of that. So it was the last place anyone would think of God's promised chosen one coming from. Now, Nathaniel's like most people, I reckon. Not, he's not being deliberately difficult to convince. He's not being especially cynical. But you know, we all take what we know. We take our experiences, our learning, and we apply them, don't we? We make judgments about the validity of things. So, for example, I don't think that if I send the Nigerian prince who emailed me $1,000, I'll get a million dollars back, like he promises but I do think I'd better pay the overdue SA water bill that they emailed me. We make judgments about the validity of things. And Nathaniel's doing just that. Your friends and family are doing just that. Increasingly, they're told all the time that only what is materially measurable is true, even though nobody actually lives their life that way. But if we can help them give Jesus a fair go, if we can get them to assess him in the same way they assess other things, sooner or later they'll need faith, yes, but they'll see that what Jesus calls for isn't a blind, switch-your-brain-off, wishful-thinking faith, but a reasonable, based-on-a-solid-chain-of-eyewitness-evidence faith. Well, as for Nathaniel, he needs more evidence, and Jesus gives it him, verse 47. When Jesus saw Nathanael approach him, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. 
How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. So Jesus has seen Nathanael and deliberately chosen him. Seen him and deliberately chosen him. When Jesus makes his promise in verse 51, the you there is plural, it's yous. So not just Nathanael, but yous five that I've especially commissioned. So John, the gospel writer, is showing us that these five disciples, these ordinary, everyday, unspectacular people, are having this chain of eyewitness evidence baton passed on to them from John the Baptist. And they're passing it on to us. So when anyone comes to this witness account John's put together for us, we can have confidence that Jesus really is who he says he is, that he can really can bring us to heaven. And we can have confidence that as we use our minds, our intellect and our will in reading this in God's word, the Bible, that God's Holy Spirit is at work in us so that we meet Jesus. We get to know him and love him, come to trust and obey him. So what does this say to us? Well, if you're someone not trusting in Jesus, or if you know somebody who's not trusting in Jesus yet, you could perhaps say this to them. Have a look again at verse 46. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. God understands that some of this is hard to believe, hard to take in. And he doesn't expect you to switch your brain off. On the contrary, Jesus calls Nathaniel a true Israelite in whom there's no deceit. Because he's honest with himself about his doubts. He doesn't just bury his doubts and go along with the crowd. So I simply invite you, you as you are, the same as Philip does. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see if there are reasonable answers to your reasonable objections. And what are the deal breakers for you? If you're so convinced, it won't do you any harm to listen to a counterpoint, will it? But in the end, we don't want anyone to put their trust in an argument or a clever defense. We want you to trust in Jesus. So come and see more about Jesus. Open up one of the Gospels and read about him. And you can do that on our Hope Explored course as well. But what about us Christians? Well, I've tried to think some of the mindsets that I found in myself and in others and how this passage helps us and them. So here's one. Well, all the spiritual action is with other people. There are proper Christians who can do great things for God, but I'm just a bit second rate. I'll stay in the background if I stick with Jesus at all. Well, think about it. Here's Jesus, God the Son, the Messiah, King of Israel, finally coming to fulfill his plans to give all nations a way into heaven. A plan that existed in eternity. It's happening right there and then. It's a mission of worldwide significance. And yet Jesus sees Nathaniel. He knows him. Jesus sees you. As you are. Jesus sees me. 
He sees us under our fig tree or under our doona or whatever it is. Jesus sees our imposter syndrome. He sees our doubts and fears. He sees all the reasons we think other Christians are more better, better, more effective people. And still, he calls us to follow him. Still, he entrusts us with carrying forward this witness about him. Jesus didn't make a mistake when he chose skeptical Nathaniel. And Jesus didn't make a mistake when he chose you. So even if you don't trust in yourself, trust Jesus in his decision in choosing you. Here's another one. Nobody will listen to my witness about Jesus. I'm not a good evangelist. I haven't got all the answers that they need. I'm not good at defending the gospel. Well, have a look at Philip. Philip, let's face it, Philip responds to, uh, sorry, Nathaniel responds to Philip with a Saki comment, doesn't he? Nazareth. But Philip doesn't give up on him. He just says, well, come and see. Come and see for yourself. Nobody needs to be impressed by you. There's enough about Jesus to blow anyone's socks off if they'll give him a fair go. Just tell people what you know, what you've been convinced by, your doubts about the world's way of explaining things. Pray and just see what happens. Here's another one. I've got serious doubts. I'd better keep things at arm's length until I've got everything together, until I'm really sure. Again, come and see. Jesus invites you to check things out. And he invites you to take things on promise. Now, whether those promises, like the one in verse 51, come true or not, aren't down to how good you are in believing them, of picturing them or understanding them. Whether they come true or not is down to Jesus and who he is. All you've got to do is trust him. Whatever ground we're missing, Jesus will more than make up for. You see, the real excitement, the real action is knowing Jesus. Being connected to heaven and all its blessings through him. And with, with who we are, doubts and all, passing on the reliable witness that we have about him. I, I watched um, a drama set in the war, during the Second World War the other night, and the baddie is saying to the hero, a resistance fighter, you think you're so good and your team's so together and so strong. Well, let me tell you about your team of other resistance fighters. That woman next to you, she betrayed your mother under interrogation. That man who's with you, he gave you up under torture. That young man with you, he sold you out for a boat ticket out of here. But rather than that discouraging the hero, he responds, yes, they betrayed me. But that only means they're even stronger. Because despite those failures, they still keep carrying on fighting, striving to survive so that they can tell the world what you did to them. And we might not always be the best witnesses on paper, 
But who better to tell the world about God's grace to us in Jesus than us who are experiencing God's grace to us in Jesus? Than us who know all too well our need for grace every day? Who better? Jesus sees you. And he didn't make a mistake in choosing you, wherever you're up to. And Jesus has arranged this reliable set of witnesses about him so that we don't have to be confident in ourselves. We can be confident in him and who he is. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this promise of access to heaven we have through Jesus. And wherever we're up to this morning with our doubts and fears, uh, whether we're feeling great or feeling terrible, uh, we know that Jesus more than makes up the ground for all of us. We pray for those opportunities to say to our friends and family and people we meet, come and see, come and see Jesus. Uh, Help us to show him to others. Amen.